0: I hear a groan. I see a thing behind the wall, I'm so afraid it's going to fall.
1: Hey, everybody, you know what
2: that means. It's time for Scaring is Sharing. Yeah, it's the place where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things
0: horror.
2: (laughs) I want to hear a choral group do the air horn. Yeah, the party air horn together. That'd be (laughs) fun. That's what I I want to hear. I think it'd be uh, great. Yes um uh, hi uh, it's so good to have you here with me <laughs> you yeah, are jeremy the, s- the original sasquatch slim rusk and you are brandy joe planback the flaming scream queen himself that's me thanks hi jeremy hi, and I'm if you're just joining us for the first time this is a podcast where jeremy and i talk about spooky things Horror things, just things sometimes. And then mm-hmm. on a typical episode, we share a movie with the other person that they've not seen before. And then we go away, we watch them, and we come back and we talk about them.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, we talk about things, but not often the movie things, which is a really What's... bad Canadian don't know what horror movie. It's a straight to video. Uh, it's legendary for being one of the worst movies ever You say made. that to like, me a lot, Jeremy. Yeah, this one's true. This is truly one of the, like, most outsider <laughs> bad movies ever made.
2: From 1989 with a mm-hmm. guy with a... It looks like Jason Voorhees over in the corner. Yep. I'm sure video he cover, he's... like the
1: video. He's, like, holding a drill on the cover, right? Or something yep, like that. Yeah, see, tool. this
2: looks like Jason Voorhees coming out of the lake in part Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. Yes, it does.
1: Yeah, that is that is things... That is a... That is a experience. I don't even know what wow. to say about that movie. I, I don't want, I hope I never know what to say. Yeah, about I that can't movie. say it's enjoyable, but it is something else.
2: Jeremy, I have um, some really exciting news. Mm. We have our first review in a very long time on Apple. It happened! It did. And you know what? It came through before our last episode when I asked it to happen. <gasps> That's even better. I know. So we got... An additional five-star rating and i think it probably came along with the review and the review is from jam rich too which i believe i know who that is go listen to only slightly opinionated on anywhere where you listen to podcasts and the uh the 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 subject line or whatever <laughs> the title yeah, yeah. of the review yeah. is fun 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 exclamation point exclamation mark whatever i never know (laughs) and the review says great podcast the hosts have excellent chemistry and the show is super fun can't wait to hear more thank you jam rich too hell yeah we want more of that more but i'm so happy with anything we do get so i really appreciate that Um, and yes, please go listen to only slightly opinionated. They have two episodes out now. Only one is available on Apple. So if you want the initial one about the color purple, you have to go to like Spotify or um, Google podcasts. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Yes. I watched the little house on the prairies, Sylvia, the one with the masked rapist that we had talked about previously. It's a two part episode. So it's like a movie in and of itself. Uh uh-huh. it, While it is talked about, I mean, it is for Little House on the Prairie, of course, disturbing to have like a rapist in like a creepy. The mask is almost like a clown mask, but like an old, old timey clown mask. It's mm-hmm. very bizarre, but it's like one. It's like towards the beginning of the first episode and towards the very end of the second episode. And then in between, it's just a lot of people like slut shaming this poor little teenage girl. She gets pregnant from the rape. And, like, her dad calls her a whore. Everyone in the town's calling her a whore. It's so depressing and sad. And Mm -hmm. then, spoiler alert, well, I'm not going to say. If someone out there watches it, I don't want to give it totally away. But it is a very depressing episode. I'm calling it all one episode. As you're
1: describing it, too, uh, uh, I remember watching, like, a YouTube video or something in the past. I watched, like, a breakdown of this very... Uh, episode before because it sounds super familiar where they were like playing clips from it and talking about it how it's such a bizarre episode of a you know major television series
2: and you know i've just decided i don't like the term slut shaming i think sex shaming just sounds better because slut shaming i don't know i mean i get what it is and i get why it's called that but like i don't know it's people shaming for sex and i also think i'm a very anti-sex shamer Mm -hmm. okay yeah. Unless you're someone who shouldn't be having sex or whatever. I'm not going to get into it. It's, <laughs> that's a much darker topic. That I yes. don't. I, we don't need to um, delve into. But Jeremy, how has life been for you since we last spoke? Uh, when's the last time we spoke? I guess last weekend. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. Like but, a few days ago.
0: Oh, yeah. Like
2: a few days ago. I don't know. It's been fine. <laughs> <laughs> you are rocking a tank top because you're hot yes in more yeah. ways than one yeah you are daddy <laughs> no i'm daddy yeah you're the daddy uh, I'm jeremy the- we have a trove of telegrams yeah we do don't we because yeah. you you sent me two so
1: i'm like that means there's a lot of them
2: i have two as well mm-hmm. so shall we dive into them yeah let's do them yeah so our telegrams are like you know our fan mail um that comes in so we're gonna get into these um, I'm gonna start us off. Uh, okay. Teacher Drew from Phoenix writes, hey guys, you have to make your trip to the Overlook Film Festival happen. I'm definitely taking time off from school to be there. Um, okay, if teacher Drew's gonna be there, we're gonna be there, because we gotta meet in the Flash.
1: That would be cool.
2: Continuing, Salem's Lot is such a classic. The most haunting scene for me is when our protagonist's best friend is floating outside his window in the fog, scratching at the glass and asking to be invited in. Yikes. I appreciate you, Brandy Joe, wanting to increase your vocabulary, but trust me, you are both very eloquent and a joy to listen to. I caught an interesting release on Shudder called Death's Roulette. It is part saw and part cube. The cast Mm. is unique, and there are some interesting set pieces. A few of the twists are almost impossible to see coming. I advise watching the subtitled version as the dubbing is abysmal. Well, my friends, till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, stay you, Teacher Drew in Phoenix. Thank you, Teacher Drew. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I want to meet Teacher Drew so badly. So bad.
1: Yeah, that would be cool to meet up in person.
2: Yeah. Yeah. uh so yes that salem's lot scene is the scariest that the toby hooper version is so good mm-hmm. um i'm trying to remember the 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 friend's name danny danny and it comes to mark's window and yeah, yeah it's, it's just the way it shot because they like filmed it in reverse i believe is the the story i remember hearing so they like film it in reverse of him like coming up to the window mm-hmm. to like, I think that helps with, like, the fog or, like, the way the fog, like, wraps around him or whatever. And it's just so eerie because he's not really scraping on the window either. Like, I mean, he's, like, his hands are, like, at the window, but the scraping sound. It's just the way it's shot and its 1970s glory is mm-hmm. just so fucking eerie. Yeah. So good. That's yeah, the, it, the only thing I really remember from it, too. Yeah. That... That sequence, yeah,
1: everyone that sees it, it sticks with you. Um, There's also the jump scare, I think, of the first reveal of, uh, what's the vampire's name? Mm -hmm. The the lead vampire, Count, uh, whatever. I'm saying Count, but I don't know if the character's called Count something. Barlow. Barlow, thank you. Barlow, the main vampire. Like, I think it's when the guy is in jail and Barlow comes to attack him. If I remember correctly, he like pops out from around the corner or under the bed or something like that. And you see Barlow for the first time and you're not expecting the uh, full on Nosferatu like monster vampire. So, yeah, that scene is scary, too.
2: Have you heard of Death's roulette? Mm-mm.
1: But I remember Cube used to. Freak me out! So. I've never seen
2: Cube. There's so uh, many of yeah.
1: them. Yeah, there's a bunch of Cube. That was a whole series in of itself. But Cube is uh Cube. I remember being freaky.
2: Yeah, it's just like a bunch of people waking up in a room, right, and trying to figure out how they got there. Yeah, it's like one of it's, those.
1: It's like pre Saw, Saw sort of, where they're they're they awaken in a trap, so to speak, that they have to figure out how to get out of.
2: Okay, I'm definitely intrigued yeah So yeah i will have to um check that out i do i was not say i love me some saw but i mentioned it many times before i don't yeah. love saw i don't love any of them but i watch them all yeah yeah
1: you're better than me where i've only seen i think saw one and two and that's it okay <laughs> and i haven't watched the rest of the series so. yeah i gotta watch them all yeah, at some point i plan on it
2: All right. Well, thank you so much, Teacher Drew. And yes, let's plan on seeing you and meeting you in person, or as I like to say, in the flesh, in 2024 at the Overlook Film Festival. That sounds absolutely delightful. We will go to dinner. We will get some sparkling beverages. We will have a blast. We'll go see a lot of films together. It'll be amazing. That'd be we can do a podcast, another like in person. With all of us, you know, oh be yeah, so great. An, do episode, like an episode, like a review of all re- of our things.
1: Yeah, of the uh, of the film festival, that would be really
2: cool. Yeah, or like interview some people there. That'd be even cooler. Yeah, can we get press passes?
1: Yeah. Can- <laughs> oh my god, that'd be awesome. It would be awesome. We might have to look into that.
2: So take it away, Jeremy. What do you have?
1: Okay, uh, I have. Uh, of the podcast, Ethan writing in. Subject line is, hi. Uh, And Ethan writes, hello, friends. You guys spent some time on Stephen King's Salem's Lot and some of the (laughs) language used as much as I love his books, it makes me cringe every time the F word and N word are used. And uh, yeah, when I think about it actually, those are pretty common, I think in certain Stephen King novels. So, uh, like I get, he's trying to make us hate certain characters, but like, goddamn, how does this end up in every book? Also, have you noticed how horny his books can get? Like every man in all of his books makes every woman climax in two minutes. I just thought it was funny. Um, um, I also he also has this like penchant weirdly for having a random character where like everybody just talks about how big the guy's dick is like I feel like that's a common
2: Stephen King trope too. Uh I have more to say is there more to his email yeah I'll there's say, a bunch okay. more okay i'm gonna save it but I okay have, save I have it more for the um the horniness of stephen king yeah
1: but that's something i always notice too where they're always like and then this dude his dick is huge and it's like always a defining it's the only defining like character trait for some of these characters anyway he writes speaking of king i've knocked out a few audiobooks since my last message here's a quick rundown it awesome the stand and he says, this is the 49 hour version. So this is probably the stand. Oh my God. The, the unabridged. Cause that's yeah. like 1200 pages long. Awesome. Tommy <laughs> knockers. Awful. <laughs> Those first three. I agree. Tommy knockers is not a good book. A head full of ghosts. Loved it. Awesome. Oh, good. I, then he says, I am legend, which is actually Richard Matheson. But he says, great. Wished the movie was more like the book. Uh, The Mist, super good. The movie surprisingly stayed very loyal to the book. And finally, as of yesterday, he did Strange Weather by Joe Hill. This one is iffy for me. It's split up into four short stories. The first one is okay. The third one is whatever. The best part is the second story, Loaded. And the last one made me turn it off due to the graphic descriptions of harm towards animals. Ever since my big man Pete passed away, I've been ultra sensitive to any kind of harm towards animals. His passing is and still is pretty traumatic to me. So once a certain scene with a cat was described, I just had to turn the book off and return it. Wonder how you guys feel about stuff like that. Anyway, happy to hear you guys each week bye and he says p.s here's some pics of my sweetest boy pete last pick pick is him with our dog luna who's close to 40 pounds just as a size comparison
2: <laughs> and that's, Ethan. A, that's
1: a big cat
2: i am so sorry about pete oh my goodness yeah. what a sweet baby uh, i know like, oh
1: my god that face losing fur babies is always I know, it just thing. always
2: takes me back to that episode of ours when you were so, so... Yes, just,
1: yeah, it was rough, so... Oh. um, And I agree, too, Ethan. I used to not really flinch at, like, any death, even animals in movies, but I find as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot more squeamish about uh, really animals now. Like, that really gets me if an animal dies in something like that. Uh, Will freak me out Or you know I find that upsetting Now Uh, in a way I used to not And um, uh, Not so much like I can still handle death of people Mostly but when it's like innocent People uh, I'm always Like did you have to do that movie Like we we hear about That enough in the news nowadays As Americans like do I have to Do you have to have random violence against like Bystanders or just like you know Uh kids or whatever when it's just somebody that's just there you know what i mean like uh, they get killed like not a main character part of like the plot
2: i get it and i i I also feel like horror is a place where all bets are off and that's part of the the like the unpredictability of it all yes so i i'm not like pro pet death in horror but like I mean I don't think I'm sure I was gonna say I don't think anyone likes it but I sadly don't think that's true um I'm I don't look forward to it yeah there are times where I'm like oh that seemed really unnecessary our friends over at it's only podcast have this great they're over not overkill series they're they always have themed series and right now it's um uh mommy nature dearest
0: i think is the that name sounds,
2: i think that sounds right yeah uh which i love because i love mommy dearest and then you love disaster flicks so they're covering yeah. a lot of these movies that are not all disaster flicks they're all, they just did like arachnophobia and yeah. so they talked in the episode which is a really really great episode because they talk about the boogeyman and arachnophobia and it made me want to watch arachnophobia again so much because i saw it in the theater and i think that's it and that's like 1990 oh, wow. 90 or 92 or something like that yeah a long time ago. Uh, yeah, but they talk about the animal, like dog death in particular, and in, in it, and they talked about like wanting to have like a final dog. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that's probably happened somewhere, but it made me think how cool that would be to have a dog be a strong force of. A film, the hero like uh, the hero, and ultimately like the actual hero. That would be and, like, awesome. I love like, that. That's like such a unique idea. They should do like a slasher movie
1: where like if the killer gets like the dog mauls him to death at the end. Like that's I what kills it. the slasher. That would be awesome. And like, Just, is
2: that not a thing? Because it should be. I feel like
1: God. There's that. Uh, there's that movie. Um, what's it called white God was that the name of it it's uh foreign I want to say it was a Spanish language of some kind but I might be wrong but it, it like dogs are the main characters and it's about dogs oh. like rising up against the humans in the city interesting uh, and, uh. It, it, and it was shot in live action so it's all like real dogs and all oh. that so uh let me look it
2: up okay yeah that sounds white. quite compelling while you're doing that I have to say I was I want to say Ethan why do you hate me but, like, since Ethan listened to Head Full of Ghosts, I don't know if that was on my recommendation or not, but when I have so strongly said, Ethan, The Troop is like the best audiobook I've ever listened to. Why don't you want to listen to it? What do you have against me? My recommendations. Also, Ethan, and anyone else out there listening, quite honestly, I have seven Audible credits. I'm not listening to my Audible right now, but I'm not getting rid of it because if I end my subscription, I lose everything I have. So I have seven credits. So if you want a credit or two, hit me up and I will give you a book that I recommend. Actually, you know what? I'll give you any book you want. So you just tell me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm giving them away. This is a mm-hmm. giveaway of a different kind, of a personal kind. I am giving my Audible credits away. I'm doing the The stripper money peel off right now and (laughs) i I would like to give them to you so send us a message scaring and sharing at gmail.com follow us and shoot us a line on good old insta scaring and sharing all one word i will share them with you i'll share the scares it's got to be a scary book that's it it doesn't have to be one i recommend although i would recommend the troop or Head Full of Ghosts, which I'm so glad Ethan listened to. Um, Ethan, there is a collection of short stories by Paul Tremblay um, that I'm not crazy about. And one of them is like a branch off, I want to say, of Head Full of
0: Ghosts.
2: Uh, I can't remember. It's all bleeding together. But there's like a short story collection. Not a fan of that. Short stories are just, are, can be, I love them, but also like sometimes they're just not good. But... I wanted to find, I was hoping there was a short story, like an audible, audible version of Children of the Corn, but I couldn't find one. I could find a lot of the night, sh- night shift stories, but I couldn't find Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. I think there's one on YouTube, and I'll, I think I'll listen to it. Because I'm just curious. I, can't, I know it's not like the movie, but I don't remember yeah. what it's all about. So I'm going to listen to that and report yeah. back.
1: Cool. And you were going to say something about the horniness of Stephen King. Thank you. <laughs> Because I need
2: to hear this. Okay, so when I, I, I've almost told this story before, but I have refrained. So if you are, I was going to say hard of hearing, (laughs) that's all right. (laughs) If you don't like sexual things, turn away just skip ahead a little bit but yeah i've always been really turned on by stephen king's writings like since i was a kid and read his books and i in particular because he does like he does not veer away from talking about the male anatomy in particular like Mm -hmm. it's not all about ooh the women and their boobs and stuff like that like he talks about penises and this is before my own sexual awakening for sure but Mm -hmm. i remember being a kid going up to montana with my parents they were in the front seat, the front seats. I'm in the back seat with a blanket. I was reading The Shining, and I was so turned on. I jerked off in the back seat under oh a blanket. My God. <laughs> As a kid, I remember this so. And I'm sorry, it's really graphic, but <laughs> but yes, I mean, I, I I remember being so turned on by The Shining and his descriptions of sex and uh-huh. dicks and things. Wow. So there you go. There there's you a little. Go. There's some Monday, Sunday morning chatter for you, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm trying to remember,
1: (laughs) like, the one that jumps to mind for me, though, is Under the Dome. That's the one where Mm. I remember there's, like, and it, it, like, what makes it weird is that it's one of the, like, um, it's one of the, like, the bad guy characters, where, like, that's his characteristic, is, like, he has a big dick, and, like, it comes up in a sequence, like, the whole thing is uncomfortable, because in context of the book, it comes up in, like, a non-consensual, like, relationship, you know what I mean, like, Cause he, he's exploiting the like wife of another character, like blackmailing her to get sex out of her sort of thing. And okay. it's like that whole sequence is so uncomfortable, like because it spends forever talking about this guy's dick, but it's, it's such a like horrible situation that you're like, what is going on here? Like, what are you going for here? Like, is this like some fetish shit, Stephen King? Like what were you going for here? So that's the one that I think about.
2: I did also, I mean, still on the topic of Stephen King, just typed in Stephen King and homopho- homophobia, and I found this 15-page article. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it is from, because it's just like a like a scan of a of a book, it looks like, and it's called The Face of Mr. Flip, Homophobia and the Horror of Stephen King. And I'm going to read it. Oh, that's And I'm going to be... report back, because I yeah. am very curious. Because I don't think he's homophobic, but no. I, I, I think that there's just all these things that, I
0: think
2: yeah, he's... there's... Yeah. He often uses
1: it as a just a character trait to quickly, like, make you hate someone. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it's almost always in I, and I could be wrong. It's probably not always. But the like instances of of it, I remember is like what kind of what Ethan's saying, where it's usually the language is used by characters you're supposed to hate. So I think he's just using it as a shortcut to be like, look at how horrible this guy is. He says stuff like this. So.
2: And also in our last episode, we talked about they slash them and John Logan, the writer and director, he mm-hmm. is a gay. I did look that up and he wrote the play red, which like won mm. the Tony Award for like best play. Like I I had <laughs> no idea that was him. It's just so surprising with all the other things he's written that are. So yeah, you know, I'm, I want to say like masculine. I don't think that's, the, but like, yeah, he's yeah. like, you know,
1: They're very like prestige, uh, highfalutin kind of like Hollywood.
2: Yeah. movies yeah. and like about like dudes and yeah. the, again i'm not i'm not being homophobic i know gay men can be as dude like as you want them to be yeah you have the whole gamut just like straight guys they can be they can wear dresses if they want they can mm-hmm. you know braid their hair i don't care they can do whatever they want it doesn't mm-hmm. matter okay you can do and be whoever you want no matter your gender or your sexuality yes Exactly, exactly.
1: But it is kind of surprising because I know where you're coming from, because it's all these like very Hollywood action movies is what he's written. Thank you. Yes.
2: Once again, you're able to verbalize what I'm talking about. And I appreciate that because it's
1: not just that. Yeah, they're doodly like action movies. They're very Hollywood. Like he's very he, you know, seems part of the machine, like the sort of thing a studio would be like, yes, we want to make that like he knows how to get that kind of stuff made. So
2: which again is all the more disappointment why they slashed them wasn't good because it just could have crossed some oh maybe you should have tried to make one of those movies in that vein you know yeah that could be cool all right well thank you so much ethan and please hit me up for some audible credits unless you're listening to them somewhere else but i think that's like the go-to for listening to audiobooks i think it is isn't it Audible. I i don't know if there's any other option i'm not sure either all right, our next telegram comes from elite friend of the podcast, Lauren, who writes, A few weeks ago, you mentioned social horror, and an old series came to mind. The horror anthology series produced by Mick Garris, Masters of Horror. They're not super long and helmed by well-established horror directors. It was pretty much the template for Guill- Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Some are traditional horror, but some are a touch on politics, such as Homecoming by Joe Dante. A political political satire in which the reanimated corpses of American soldiers killed in Iraq return in an attempt to sway the US presidential election. So let's stop there. There's multiple parts here, but have have you did you watch Masters of Horror? so masters of horror my experience with it was like when it was on tv i think i
1: was in college i didn't have cable ever so i couldn't actually watch it like i'm ever hearing about it all the time from horror people but i couldn't actually watch it on television when it aired because it was what showtime or something like that i think it was on cable somewhere um but it always got it always got treated it was one of those things that i assume it's probably something to do with rights issues and having individual creators for each episode um but they were ne- it was never treated as like a TV show you know when it was off air like streaming wise or however you want to call it like they were all treated as like individual movies <laughs> so you could find them randomly places so I've just seen random episodes so to speak like I've seen uh Cigarette Burns the John Carpenter yeah you know, I've seen uh I believe I watched John Landis's The Deer Woman what about uh, imprint I never watched Imprint. I know that's Ooh. the the legendary Takeshi Mika. Yes. Or Takeshi Mika episode that they didn't even air on television cuz they thought it was too extreme. Oh yeah, I watched it later for yeah,
2: Americans. Rem- the extreme part of it that I remember is that they like they're torturing this girl and they um stick like splinters or like pieces of wood like underneath her fingernails. Yeah, yeah. So it's grossy. Yeah.
1: And I saw there's probably a couple more if i were to look them up i think i, I watch i've seen only like a f- few of them uh and i think they're mostly okay at best for the most yeah part.
2: i never remember being totally totally even cigarette burns i don't love i i yeah. love that I, I love the idea of that sort of story i know we've talked about it before and yeah. there's you know uh, this um and I think that's one of the strongest episodes, Cigarette Birds. But it's
1: still only okay. So, and I'm
2: like looking, the second season, I don't recall as much, but there is one about an ice cream delivery man. Yeah.
1: And I think I watched uh, Incident, what is it, Incident On and Off a Mountain Road. You got Don,
2: it. That's such an interesting title. And yes, yeah, you're
1: right. The Don Coscarelli one, which I, I think that title, I, I don't think it's
2: H.P. Lovecraft, but I think it was based on an old like uh, short story from a, one of those horror writers. So... And I remember Jennifer, which was the Dario Argento one, about okay, a detective yep. who rescues a strange young girl with a horribly disfigured face and lusciously ripe body from a deranged killer. Ooh, I don't like how that is described. <laughs> that <laughs> is a, a little weird. And the lusciously ripe body. Ooh, a <laughs> It did, The show did win an Emmy for best, like, um... Hold on, sorry. For best, like, uh, credits or something. Best mm-hmm. theme? But it did win an Emmy. Eh, it's taking forever to come up here. Uh, outstanding original main title theme music. So that's impressive. Yeah. But yeah, never a big, big fan of it, but I don't recall the one that she mentions homecoming. So I'll have to check that out. All right. Continuing on, Lauren says, I still have an iPad. Sorry. I still have an iPod nano floating around here somewhere. And the antenna you needed to listen to radio stations. You know, before devices that supported Wi Fi or cellular data. And we had a very good Bose speaker that you could plug your iPod into. Of course, that gem became obsolete once the device size or jack wasn't com- compatible with a docking station. Oh, the agony. And oh my God, do I remember that? We had a really cool iHome, I think yeah, it was called. Where I had you put a bunch your iPod of those. in. Yep. And it would like charge it and yep. play the music through it. It was so cool. Mm hmm. And lastly, I offer you your next merch option. I did the best I could given the limited, but very specific details given about choppy set to the style of a small child. I took some liberties like did he have arms or feet in addition to the tentacles? What colors other than eyes, but hopefully Jeremy's nephew approves. And I will share that with you now, Jeremy. Oh, I got to see this. I know I'm going to share my screen. I wanted to do this live and not before. So here is oh. Choppy <laughs> with a very big smile, very green eyes. That, that's about looks right. like a nice guy is how yeah, I want to say think, it. I think that's Choppy. <laughs> so I'm going to send this to you and you've got to share it with your nephew. I'm going to,
1: yes, yes. I'm going to have to show him this
2: that's amazing he, he looks like a nice he guy. looks like a nice guy thank you Lauren so yes choppy if you are just listening to us for the very first time is Jeremy's nephew's imaginary friend who's sort of Octopussy yeah um, he's, he's and, like an and, octopus monster that lives in the sky he looks like a nice guy yes and it does. I can see like the grass underneath him. So he's sort of flying around in the sky smiling yeah. at us. But just because he looks like a nice guy, like when you say it like that, does not mean he is a nice guy.
1: Yeah, that's that's because half the time, like I said, my nephew uses him as an excuse where, like, if he does something wrong, they're like, what, well, why'd you do that? And he'll be like, Choppy told me to. <laughs> but trying, trying to pass the blame. So I'm like, I can see where this is. Choppy's
2: your. Uh- think that's gonna be your get out of jail free card to
0: be like no it Mm -hmm. was was choppy.
2: choppy choppy said it well thank you so much lauren and thank you for the original artwork we love original artwork and jeremy bring us on home
1: yeah hell yeah all right so wait i gotta save choppy here (laughs) <laughs> save that image yeah. uh also very quickly before i finish this last one already a corrections corner the movie is white god about the dogs that rise up it's hungarian i looked okay it. it's not spanish language so all apologies to hungary but it's a hungarian movie so okay um, anyway finally another fret fiend of the podcast we're getting everybody all the big yeah. all our heavy hitters wrote in in uh, one session that's awesome because this one comes from Al. Al. And it says, subject, summer scares. Hello, y'all. I've been on the lookout for some summer movie going fun. I'm still holding out hope for an original Exorcist screening, but no luck yet. I bet you closer to Halloween time Yeah, this, this new one coming out. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some double features that happen mm-hmm. once it comes out where they do like watch the original and then the new one back to back. But anyway... Al continues one fun one to put on your calendar for the Detroit area fiends is an outdoor screening of night of the living dead hosted by the Senate theater in early August. Uh, I think I heard about that. They do. Mm -hmm. I like that the Senate theater does, uh, uh, they do screenings. Yeah. Like on the wall of their building, like outside. Okay. Cause they have like cool. this nice, nice big alley space where you can sit outside and uh, watch movies outside. So
2: Heck yeah,
1: I've always wanted to go to one of those. Uh, anyway. Al continues, as always, I must include a question, so here goes. In the past, you've expressed interest in attending a horror movie festival, but what about programming one? What movies would need to be included if you two programmed a a scaring-is-sharing festival exclusively from
2: the films on the podcast?
0: Mm. Take care
2: and keep sharing, Al. Thanks, Al. I, I feel like themes, I'm a big fan of themes, which, I mean, yeah. our episodes, I mean, our, our, we don't typically, I know that in the beginning we try to find themes between them because we never know what the other person's going to share, so we don't base the yes. share we give on that. Yes, yes, I think yes, maybe yes. a time or two it's worked out that the other person has been like, oh, okay, because you chose that, I'm going to do this. But I feel if we did a festival, I feel... My first thought that comes to mind is that we did like a, a Jeremy theme tonight where we show, you know, the So Bad It's Good, the trauma, etc. And we yeah. do like a, a BJP themed tonight where it's like elevated horror and things like that. Yeah. Like, so like a So Bad It's Good and like, a, um, th- you know, I, again, I go to elevated horror as the name, but sort of like a, a deeper metaf- metaphor horror. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that sort of a thing. Or just some themes in that way, like yeah. horror as a metaphor, mm-hmm. or monsters, or yeah. ghosts. Yeah, things, things like, like that.
1: that. Yeah. I am, and I'm kind of
2: like, I'm scrolling through our, um, our feed on uh, our Unexpected uh, Slashers, un, Unsung Slashers. Yeah. Yeah. Monsters,
1: definite. Like, I feel like what we'd have to focus it on are like, what are the movies that the two of us really. Uh, both were like this was amazing (laughs) i'm trying to remember uh what we connected with so i'm thinking like return of the living dead would probably be in there um i just passed something that i was like oh yeah we both responded very positively to that oh probably pearl and x Mm -hmm. would be candidates
2: which could be some like elevated horror
1: yeah uh day of the dead romero's day of the dead i think yeah
2: I mean, like zombies, some a slasher night.
1: Night of the Demon, the Bigfoot one.
2: Old school, old yep. school horrors.
1: Yep. God, I just passed. There's just a
2: lot. Yeah, there's, there's so many. a lot that we could do.
1: Oh, blowout. That'd be a good candidate. Mm-hmm. Ryan De Palma. Like some blowout. 80s. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, uh, you know good choices i'm sure we even
2: do by decade you could do
1: decade nights i know we might want to get like terrifier
0: terrifier 2 in there Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot midsummer and i'm all for it
2: and i think there's some possibilities between planet ant and and the ringwalled space that we could do something like this yeah anguish oh yeah because we've always wanted to see it in a theater
1: that'd be a great candidate especially because so many so few people are like really aware of that one to like help boost its signal so to speak
2: that would be awesome yeah i'd love to do a queer horror one at the ringwald affirmations and you know we have a film screening coming up this coming week not as a part of a ringwald thing but as a part of an affirmations event so i will see how that all turns out because they have a big screen and a projector so yeah if that all works out maybe we'll just have to um look into that
1: that would be cool yeah because i feel like it could go so many ways to like my chunk of it would either be like 80s or monsters or zombies or trauma or all of the above so for sure yeah
2: all right cool well thank you so much everybody al yeah. thank you for writing in thank you, you al you always us, make us think i love thinking always make us think scaringasharing at gmail.com hit us up or slide into our insta please yes so jeremy last night i watched butterfly kisses have you heard of this film the title sounds familiar it's like a found footage sort of of like a like an urban legend that these two filmmakers are like i watched like a, um one of those you know youtube videos about like foot- found footage movies you've never heard of that are really good mm-hmm. and it was like at the top of the list He's, there's this like tunnel that if you stare down it for an hour without blinking, which is like a near impossibility, they say, mm-hmm. that like you'll see this creepy man appear at the end. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Peeping Tom is what they call him and or like the blink man. And after if after you see him, every time you blink, he gets closer and closer to you until he's right in front of you. and His eyelashes are so long that they sort of like butterfly kiss your face.
0: Whoa. And
2: then he like kills you.
0: Weird. so yeah
2: it's it was it was fine um they're like one of the filmmakers from Blair Witch is in it because it's sort of meta and that way like there's the found footage in the film and then there's like real filmmakers who find the footage and are like putting it together so it's sort of like a a weird meta thing and it was just fine like lots mm-hmm. of these things just fine not it was great just fine <laughs> yeah not terrific so <laughs> sorry
1: really quickly I'm firing off the picture of choppy to my wife oh yeah <laughs> yeah i got to because she's actually at the farm right now
2: oh she is yeah so
1: unfortunately she's down there for a funeral but
0: Aww. um
1: uh, uh, hopefully she'll i wanted to send it to her so maybe she can show our nephew before <laughs> she takes off love that
2: please yep <laughs> have you watched anything this week
1: um nothing too let's Double-check the old letterbox now. That's where I keep all the information. Letterboxed. I've become quite obsessive about it, so... I really should upgrade to, like, the professional or whatever the patron... I'm on the pro. Yeah, you're on pro. I'm not, you know? I really should, just to get more out of it, because I use it so damn much. Um, let's see. Ah, uh, no, nothing too... Nothing of note, really, to talk about. Other than, last night I started watching, uh, but this was late, and I was falling asleep, so I only watched, like, 20 minutes, if that. Uh, but I started watching Hellraiser Hellworld. Oh, uh, no. And that's the eighth, I think, eighth one. Um, and I did that specifically because I was listening to, I think his show is currently on a break, but Josh Korngut, uh, Development mm-hmm. Hell, um, before it looks like, I think, in his season ended, uh, of the podcast. So I'm a little behind, but the last episode, most recent episode he did was talking about, uh, the unmade, of course, uh, Hellraiser versus Halloween movie that, okay. was that, that at one point dimension films was talking about making where it was going to be pinhead versus Michael Myers, which sounded like it could have been very cool. I don't know if you know anything about that movie, but it was, it was written by Clive Barker. The script oh. or I don't know if they had A script but the treatment you know the early s- Story was being written By Clive Barker and they were courting John Carpenter to direct it Okay, um, But then something happened that uh, They instead did the you know Rob Zombie remake movies um, At some point I think it was too expensive Or something like that I think like John Carpenter's Fee like scared them away or I don't hmm. Know something like that but anyway In that episode Josh Corngut, says that he knows it's a bad movie but he loved it anyway so he recommended hellraiser hell world to the guests he had on the show and i'm like i need to finally watch that one just to see it's only claim to fame is it's henry cavill's first movie
2: so oh, wow henry, so He's it's
1: kind, hot yes he is i was like holy crap he was always super good looking yeah, uh, from the get-go and there's gratuitous henry cavill in this movie so He's like one of the main characters, but like so many. There's like a bunch of random, just like Adam Scott's first movie was Hellraiser 4.
0: Weird. Uh, It
1: launched a lot of uh a lot of cute guys in Hollywood have gotten (laughs) launched by Hellraiser, apparently.
0: So so
1: bizarre. Yep. So I started it. It's not great. It's funny to watch. It, It was made, you know, uh with the idea that like there's a hellraiser video game that you play over the internet and that's like where the that's like the update they're trying to do with that one okay that are obsessed with this cenobite based video game online of course eventually there will be real cenobites but yeah it's ridiculous sounds like it so far i've only watched like the first 20 minutes and as i was watching it too i remembered oh i think i like remember i've seen other scenes of this movie because it used to play on like hbo you know like ad nauseum when i was in uh, when i was in my 20s so i remember okay. watching it like parts of it with friends <laughs> over the years so that's it that's all i got to mention but it is so trippy to see like younger henry cavill
0: mm-hmm. in a
1: hellraiser movie so well anything else any news no, and oh, uh, news-wise for the collectors out there, because I like to uh, collect physical media, and I imagine some of you do too, but I thought it was cool that the uh, new announcement, the well, actually a few, I've been behind on this, I know I uh, like to give people the cool updates, but Ghoulies and Ghoulies 2 are getting re-released on physical media again, uh, specifically Ghoulies, the first one's getting a 4K blu-ray that's coming out with like a ton of special features and then ghoulies two has been upgraded and remastered to its own like new blu-ray i think those are both being done by their it's called the mvd rewind collection they do a lot of like 80s uh, uh cool collector's editions of like weird 80s stuff like ghoulies um and severin films another big exploitation boutique physical media label they are putting out a big 4k blu-ray box set of the last horror film which i've never seen and always wanted to i don't know if
2: you know this one i I do know I've i've never seen it either yeah it's joe Spinell. it's kind
1: of like considered the unofficial follow-up to maniac Mm -hmm. uh, because he always joe Spinell before he died always wanted to make maniac too because that was like his favorite role that he played so uh but it never happened. No official maniac, too, but this is the closest thing to it. Um, and I know it's very uh, beloved by a lot of uh, slasher movie fans, and I've never seen it either. And uh, in Search of Darkness three had a, se- uh, had a segment on it, I think. And that sounds right.: Yeah, and it made me very interested in seeing it, so I think okay. uh, I think that's going to be on my radar
2: now. All right.: Well, let's get to our shares. So I go first and yeah. I. I'm going to give you a movie. I have two because I'm going to give you a movie and I don't know if you've seen it. I feel like you had to have, but I don't know if you have. So if you haven't, this is the one I'm giving you. And if if you have, then I have actually two (laughs) follow-ups. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I'm giving you from 2009, Laid to Rest. I haven't seen laid. You haven't? No. Oh my God. I'm so excited.
1: And I, I, I think I know this one. Is this the one with uh, Chrome skull? I think was his name. Yeah. It's a slasher movie series. I know that this was like, I feel like, I want to say controversial, but no, that's not the right word. Divisive, I think, because I think a lot of people either hated this movie or they were like it was a cool new like slasher series or attempt at a slasher series in the 2000s, especially in an era where it's become really, you know, uh, things seem to become really stagnant. And it's like everyone was trying to launch a new, a new Jason or a new Freddy, and it just seems like they're really... I don't know. We talked about Victor Crowley not that long ago. And I think that's like one of the most recent like attempts at that sort of legendary slasher killer. So um, arguably, I'd say in this day and age, like the most effective one isn't even in the horror genre because it's like the John Wick series. Like <laughs> I was reading a thing. That how doesn't his, count. His body count is higher than Jason uh, and like Michael Myers put together across those movies. So I'm like, okay. But yeah, no, they they keep trying to get these like big time, you know, movie killers going again. So I'm interested to see what they did with Laid to Rest, finally. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh and of course my my choice for you should not be shocking because I laid the groundwork. Last week I'm giving you Ed Wood.
2: All right. I mean it's about Ed Wood. The end. Yep. (laughs) It's not really I'm I'm excited to check it out and it's about ed wood so yeah that's i mean what what else is it going to be about so
1: uh, but i'm excited for you to see this because it's uh uh it's a good crash course on the okay the history of the man so i think that'll be uh give us something to talk about
2: let's give him something to talk Um, about all right well let's watch him and talk about him let's do it
0: don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos! Movies make
2: psychos more creative! Let's talk about the movies now. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. It's me, right? That's you. All right, great. We're really Uh,
1: energetic right now.
2: So much energy. Uh, We are going to talk about Laid to Rest from 2009, directed by Robert Hall, who I just learned died in 2021.
1: I also just learned that last night when I was reading about this movie after watching it. For Robert Hall. How, How sad.
2: I know. So the tagline is, evil is only skin deep and the description is a woman wakes up in a casket with a traumatic head injury and no recollection of who she is soon realizing that she's the victim of a crazed serial killer i must fight for
0: her life oh that's yeah. it that, that oh, is okay it. that's it yeah, yeah that's
1: pretty much it um my thoughts first off laid to rest i just think is a great title for a horror movie I um, always
2: imagine that, that it's the number two for some reason, but it's not. It's but it's just, not. It's just it's the phrase "laid is to rest." Fra- yeah,
1: and then and then also, I kept thinking of the metal band Lamb of God also have a song. Oh my god, Late. me
2: too. I thought yeah. of that. Did you as well? Because
1: they have a song <laughs> called "Laid to Rest" and everything. <laughs> While I was watching the movie, I kept being like "Lay this to rest" in my mind. But uh, I wonder if there's somebody somebody's had to have created like a mashup of that song with scenes from the movie. I bet at this point, but. Oh, anyway sure. i digress um i don't know how i've never seen this thing because i would have loved this like had i seen it when it came out in the 2000s when i heard a lot of heat around it like it would have been perfect because i was thinking about how like yeah you know, with slasher movies of course the big boom was the 80s there was just like a billion slasher movies uh and then through the 90s you know you have your lull until scream happened, and then like really reinvigorated it but the 2000s when i sat and thought about it i was like man like 2000 into like the early 2010s was like another boom of slasher movies i feel where there was uh, between your big studio like remakes of stuff like texas chainsaw you know my bloody valentine then you just had indie stuff like this and the hatchet movies and like uh the new mutation of slasher movies and the saw franchise so it was like yeah that was I forget about that, and I feel like nobody well, I'm sure people talk about it, but it's like, has it been like officially recognized as like the early two thousands that's like the second wave of slasher movies, uh, yeah,
2: but none of them are really that good like i I mean this one is fine. Right. Like I remembered liking it, but it's not one that comes yeah. to mind. Like it, I remembered it because there was some kill from the sequel that was on Instagram from one of the horror accounts I follow. And I was like, oh, right. I think I liked the first one. Mm-hmm. And I think I've seen a second one. It's weird because Danielle Harris is in the second one. She's also in Hatchet 2, but she's yep. not in the originals. It's so bizarre funny like she she hops on to a franchise once that actually gets good like maybe they they get enough money to like get someone like her name you know mm-hmm. um but well, like it's fine but i don't think any of those movies are particularly great
1: yeah but playing devil's advocate one could also argue bulk of the 80s is not great either mm-hmm. uh like good movies they're just we remember them because of nostalgia or whatever but a lot of them i don't know how uh,
2: i beg to differ i mean if you look know. at like the big ones like if yeah. you consider child's play which came out technically in the 80s right and then friday friday the 13th nightmare on elm street like the big boys but mm-hmm. and friday the 13th i mean halloween of course like started in the 70s but really yeah came into it in the 80s i would just say the 80s are like classic slashers and i think good but that these are i think that the the early 2000s are more forgettable slashers fine but forgettable
1: we'll see what happens i'm just trying to broaden (laughs) my minds because my mind because i'm always did it's my thinking started with uh for example going to see the band weezer uh in recent years where uh, I always think about how like there's the old fan base where we're like the first few albums, that's all that's good that they did. And after that, it's just been like, man, they just been phoning it in forever. Keep cranking out albums. Who cares about any of this new music they write? But then I go see them like I did like a few weeks ago. And there's all these young people there and they're really into the new music. And I'm like, maybe we're the assholes that just aren't, you know, like we're out of touch or whatever. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I bet you in 20, 30 years further, who knows what people will be saying about it. But that's beside the point. Just But a, you
2: don't you don't think, though, almost 15 years after this came out and the fact that no one ever talks about it doesn't say something to the fact that maybe it is a little bit of a forgettable film? I don't know, man.
1: I don't know. It could get rediscovered and then all of a sudden blow up. These things happen,
2: so... I don't we'll know. Give
1: it another I, few I, years, I, I, Maybe,
2: maybe. It feels to me like terrifier did more successfully what this movie tried to do.
1: That's what I thought too. was like, this is like proto terrifier, like a terrifier will come along years later and then do like what this thing was doing. Cause this movie like is really just a demo reel for all these gross out gore effects. And like, cause that's what Robert Hall was a, uh, uh, Special effects guy, I guess, is what I was reading online predominantly before he started directing his own movies. So like that shines through because there's a lot of care given to the special effects of oh which God. were
2: which were awesome. So that that's the thing. And that's what stands out. Like, yeah, the kills are so good. All practical and Mm -hmm. just so so good i mean if that sort of thing grosses you out and you don't want to deal with it then it's not your movie but if you want to i just wish there were more inventive kills like 95 percent of them take place with his giant like hunting knife which is a great weapon and can do a lot of damage it's not like you're doing the same thing every time but there's like one particular kill that uses a very unique form of weapon that's not normally a weapon not to give too much away that Mm -hmm. i thought was like oh my god God, I wish more of the kills were like that.
1: Yeah. More out of the, or not just stabby stabby the entire yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's also what I, like, I also thought it was cool that he moved away from certain slasher movie cliches where like, this is not a movie about a bunch of dumb teenagers running around. Like he filled all the victims are, like, weird adult character actors. Like, because all these characters are quirky as hell. Uh, and it's a who's who of, like, that person, that person, that, like, all people you recognize as, you know, from other things. Um, And I thought that, like, when it started, I was like, oh, my God, this acting is really, like, something's going uh-huh. on here. Like, it's, like, really stilted. But that is the movie continued. Like, after a while, it started to work for me, where I'm like, I think he just built, like, this just quirky enough like little world that I was like, okay, it all works. Like the fact that everybody's acting, like everyone is stilted in a way, like it it works. Like if it was just a handful of people that were like really bad and other people that were turning in their A game, it would have been more like, what is going on in this movie? But the fact that everyone is so weird in their performances, I think it worked.
2: See, I don't know that I fully agree with that because I think the the main girl. Titled The Girl, or as they call her often in this princess, her her real name is Bobby Sue Luther. I mean, I don't know if that's her real name, but that is her, you know, sag name or whatever. Uh-huh. I think she is atrocious. <laughs> like, I'm like, did they find her in a porno? Like, not that you can't be in a porno and be a good actor, but you're typically not. But like, uh-huh. she's so bad. But then I love, I mean, Kevin Gage, maybe I just love him because he's like such. Like, so daddy. And then I was gonna say, get, like, every review on Letterboxd is just
1: Kevin Gage. He's a daddy. And it's oh like, my oh God, my God, he's <laughs> so
2: hot. And then I don't know, Lena he- Heady. She's from Game of Thrones, though, right? Yeah, Lena, Heady. He- he- Lena Heady. Heady? I think. Heady. Heady? Heady? I don't know how I don't you know. say it. I don't know. She's from
1: Game of Thrones. That's what made her famous.
2: But like, I could have, I wish that the story would have been about the two of them, about Tucker and Cindy. I would have loved that.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> slight spoilers like she's not in a lot of movie uh and i wondered if because i was like what by the time this was made like i think she was already establishing herself as like not like a b movie like performer so i'm like i think they blew a bunch of money (laughs) to get her and that's why she's not in a lot of movie same with um same with richard lynch who Hmm, is the like uh he's the mortician that appears in just only a couple of scenes because i was like well richard richard lynch was a like pretty renowned you know actor in his day eventually he was doing like b movies towards the end of his career but he's still like he would have been a big get for a production like this so i'm like oh he's only in a couple scenes i'm assuming they probably only had so much money to give him (laughs) to get him to be in this so
2: and i know front of the podcast lauren loves sean whalen who's in this yes and he's so good he was roach and people under the stairs we love sean whalen He's so, so good in this movie. I just, like, I liked his stuff. Sorry, there's a car alarm going on off outside. Um, But I I really liked Sean a lot. And I thought that his Mm -hmm. scenes were fun. I enjoyed him once he came into the scene. I just could have done without Princess.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's not great. She's by far the worst performer in this. But I was okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not like... It ruins it because like you said, it it isn't your typical like, oh, we're a bunch of anno-. there are a couple of annoying teenagers, Thomas Decker. Mm-hmm. Um, another shout out to you know, someone who's done some some genre films. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like they're they're in it and then they're not in it anymore. Yeah, so. and I
1: still I I still think like the biggest gripe I have with the movie, like plotting wise, though, is like at the end, they all of a sudden introduce like new characters that like mm-hmm. you have not like the reason you care about everybody else is because we just went through the whole thing and spent the whole movie with them. So we're like, okay, like, yeah, I I feel for these few characters. Like I want to see their journey. But then all of a sudden in like the last act, they introduce some new characters all of a sudden, like, and they're like important to the plot. Like we're supposed to like jump on board with them. And I'm like, no, like they're just randos that showed up. Like, why are they part of the story now? So I think that's like kind of a, some writing could have been you know tightened up or something there whatever the hell he was trying to do with that at the very end like here's some new guys and it's like i don't know who these characters are like why do we care so yeah
2: but then i'll play devil's advocate there that that's also like a unique like you think they're just going to show up and we're just going to come off and be done with them and i can appreciate the fact that like these people show up i mean i there could have been more development in their late arrival yes but still, I, I I don't I didn't mind that as much because I honestly couldn't remember like when I thought of this movie, all I thought of was the convenience store or like mm-hmm. the party store gas station. That's like all I could think of in my mind. I didn't remember any of the rest of it, um, except for like I thought they were good kills. And then as I was watching, I'm like, is it in a convenience store? I mean, a gas station. Is that a thing? And then we do get there. Yeah, eventually. we get there. Yep. But That's what like in my mind Remained after all this time. I also am not. Although this is definitely like a two thousand nine thing, I'm not crazy about the like. Oh, I'm going to put a video camera on my shoulder and uh, and record it all. Like, yeah, dumb. Like, who cares? But he does have like a flip phone, <laughs> which yeah. is like so amusing that like he's sending messages that I can just imagine he's having to send them with. What would you call the F nine or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like that and, long text.
1: Yeah, and it is funny to see that too because it's like it's. You know he's got a camera on his shoulder, he's recording everything, but then it's like, well, that feels almost like it's tailor-made for now, where everybody just records everything on their phone anyway, so it's like a little ahead of its time, I guess, movie, but also kind of like, I don't know, it seemed hokey.
2: (laughs) And it's also like, our lead girl, like, you keep thinking there's going to be some deep-seated reason why she was sort of kept alive, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the reasoning is sort of like, huh? And maybe it is just all for the, the fun of the kill or whatever. The fun mm-hmm. of the chase. The chase of the kill. Whatever yeah, I kind of
1: liked, like, it gave you a little bit of information, but it kept the killer, like, mysterious. Because uh, Chrome Skull, not only does he have a cool look um, in general. A vanity
2: license plate.
1: He's got a vanity license plate. He's got a car. <laughs> like, you know, imagine all the damage Jason could have done if he had a car and could drive
0: around.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, he's he's like a cool character and i appreciate that they didn't get too much into like explaining like what he's doing and who he is you get like little bits or like there's bits of information but no over explaining
2: yeah but it is like so much of like early on you think that like tucker and cindy are like in on it because they're like oh i'm almost out of gas oh we don't have a phone like there's just all these reasons they can't get help and i'm like it would have just like like let's just get to the police station like they eventually do and like all the cops are like dead which is great but like just those you know those annoying reasons of why someone can't get help that I'm like oh well they must be in on it because otherwise why wouldn't you get there's help
1: a- I also love movies like this where there's the quaintness of like not understanding the internet fully like it hadn't fully become immersed in our lives <laughs> when so they true. when they go to see Sean Whalen's character and they're like Send one of those electronic mails or whatever he says about, uh, you know, contacting the police over the Internet. But it's like it's you see the like the big uh, blocky computer he's got, which would I'm sure like dial up Internet like it's just kind of quaint and amusing nowadays
2: to see that. So right now, if you didn't have your phone, but you had access to the computer and mm-hmm. someone is breaking into your house, what do you do? What do
1: I do? Yeah. I don't know i guess i would look up like
2: the police see i online. think i i j- this idea like just came to me or this like notion this question i think i would immediately go to facebook and uh-huh. type in someone's breaking my house can't find my phone someone please call 9 one here's my oh, address and yeah. just do a social post i mean i go to social media like if i'm looking for something for a show an actor a prop whatever mm-hmm. i go to my hive mind my facebook and i put it out there. I have no shame in asking the greater good cuz you just never know who's going to like be like, "Oh, I have that or I know someone." Like it's so true. I just I do that immediately. I feel like I do that first and then I think I would immediately go into my like instant messages and start sending things to people immediately.
0: Okay. Well, I think I do
2: the facebook thing and then I think I try to like block my door. Yep. <laughs> put some things up against it. I don't think I could really crawl out a window up on my second floor. I think I would end up falling and hurting myself. I've often talked about needing to get one of those like ladders, those like fire ladders, but I don't have one. So as I'm saying this, I feel like I should get one because it's going to happen now, now that I put out in the universe.
1: You better do. it. <laughs> See, and that's funny too, because I think I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't even think of that because I think I'm too jaded about trying to use social media for something like that where like, Uh, it'd be like help someone's breaking into my house as a facebook post and then like your first comment's going to be somebody being like
2: sucks to be you or something you know like just a bunch of friends with the right people i
1: know i'm i'm just used to uh, utterly unhelpful comments like anytime you ask a question on like facebook like anybody know this and then you just get a lot of like nope And it's like, then why did you type something, dude? Like, oh my God.
2: But like, I think back in Scream, when Scream came out in 96, like Nev Campbell already had like, and that's when the internet truly is new, right? Yes. And she goes and she's still like, has a, a place right to go to, to like dial 911. And here, Sean Whalen, 2009, is all like, oh, I don't know what to, and it's like, come on, like, there's gotta be... It's got. It's not that ancient. I mean, not. It's yeah. Not too whatever primitive at that time. Like there. No. In it's, 2009, it's we were using vast. the internet a lot. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That's why it, it, in that scene alone, I was like, I wonder if that's a holdout from like an earlier draft of the script or something, or like he wrote it like you know way before 2009, and it just held some like older you know uh, idiosyncrasies, uh, or if he just didn't really know a lot about the internet when <laughs> he wrote the script. Who knows? But.
2: Yeah, but it's 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 fun. I I still like I enjoy for the most part, it starts and it goes, goes, goes. Like if you can just get past the acting and like you said, like for you, you sort of ease into it eventually. And then you're kind of like, okay. like even as annoying as she was, like I I, it was the supporting characters that I was like all on board for here.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were great. And it's just like I had fun watching it. Uh, and it absolutely, like I said, it totally just made me think like, I wish I knew of this when it came out and had watched it. Cause that was a time period too, where I was starving for like new horror stuff and not even like in more specifically like slasher stuff. Cause it's like, you know, they started making slasher movies again and I'm like, okay, well, I've seen every Halloween and Friday the 13th, a million times. Like I want some new stuff. So like in the, in the era of like the hatchet movies coming out uh, and things like that, I was looking for, you know, anything, uh, fun, new, uh, And just not not a legacy thing so this would have been a uh if i I wish i had watched this (laughs) i wish i would followed people's advice and watched it when it came out because i probably would have loved it
2: and you also get the the jam the amazing jam sexy bitches are my favorite kind of bitches Mm -hmm. which thomas decker actually sang oh wow So I don't know if he had a band or if he's like I can come up with a really annoying song for my douchebag character. Yeah, it's sexy bitches are my favorite kind of bitches. Yeah, and um, they drive playing that. I feel like the reason this didn't take off and why Terrifier did is, I mean, of course, just time and place, but also Art the Clown is like a really fun villain. Like he Mm -hmm. has so much personality, and that's. Not like all of our killers have great personalities because Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees don't, but the reason that Freddy and Chucky took off is the same reason that Art the Clown took off, I feel. Mm-hmm. You know? On top of, like, inventive, gory kills, he's just a lot of fun, and he has so many... It's like, are, is he, are you going to laugh at him? Are you going to be scared of him? It's going to be all of the things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, Chucky, Freddy, personality. Michael Myers' lack of personality, though, is, like, they pulled it off, right? And that's what makes him iconic is the starkness of that character. And I think it's because he's the first, you know, he's like the OG of that type of slasher character. So it works. Jason comes built in with that whole like campfire backstory of like he was originally a boy left alone that drowned. Like, I feel like that immediately makes him like legendary. Like he's got this baked in uh, mythology behind it.
0: Mm -hmm. Chrome
1: skull cool character design, but they didn't give it enough personality. That's the one thing holding them back is he's just a, you know, an un- unspeaking killer uh, that videotapes
2: things. like And that glues there's... his mask to his face.
1: Yeah. And it's like, okay, those are all weird quirks. We just needed, like, out of the performance, you know, of the actor playing him, if there's just a little more, uh, instead of trying to play it like a Michael Myers clone, like if he had had some sort of uh something different about the performance he could have been more animated or have done something physically with it that i'm sure could have set it apart but they went for the tried and true just quiet slow deliberate moving killer
2: and i can appreciate that they don't get into his backstory like i i'm Mm -hmm. all for not fleshing that out too much but yeah it just needed a little something to set it above some of the others
1: make it more like exactly why art the clown takes off is because he's got so much personality behind the character it just
2: works so yeah Hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. well anything Mm -hmm. else
2: for you no i think that's it all right well out of five uh hunting knives through your face how many do you give laid to rest i'm gonna give it a three I'm giving it a three as well. Oh, uh, wow. There is a
0: scare of approval. Scare of
2: approval. Yeah. All right. So,
0: well,
1: yeah. Times. Now that laid to rest has been laid to rest.
2: Yep. Until laid number two rest comes out.
1: Yeah. Well, chrome rather, skull. I mean,
2: I give you give it to you. Yeah.
1: Give me Chrome Skull laid to rest, too. Yeah. So moving on to Ed Wood. Uh, Directed by Tim Burton, of course. And the tagline on Letterboxd is, When it came to making bad movies, Ed Wood was the best. And the description is, The mostly true story of the legendary worst director of all time, who, with the help of his strange friends, filmed countless B-movies without ever becoming famous or successful.
2: Oh, that's all. That's all. So I really wasn't sure giving this to me after only seeing Plan Nine from Outer Space, like Mm -hmm. because I've never had the desire to watch this film. It's Mm -hmm. just never intrigued me. Maybe partially, like I think Tim Burton's fine, but I don't have like a Burton boner. Like Mm -hmm. I'm mostly like meh, sort of indifferent on the whole the whole Burton train. But I didn't know how I, I was. I was definitely. Curious to know more about Ed Wood. And but as soon as this movie starts, you're just like, oh, fuck, like this is, I'm in for a fun ride. Like from the Mm -hmm. opening credits are just so good. And the music, and I just love when a logo, like the studio logo integrates something with the movie. Like Mm -hmm. here it's Touchstone, which is lightning, and it incorporates the lightning into the logo. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that's fucking like, you have me before the movies even started. Uh-huh. And then I see Jeffrey Jones, who's problematic, and I'm sort of like, mm, and then yep. I, I can forgive that because he's Predictor Pomoso or whatever his yeah. name Criswell. is, Criswell, Criswell. Yeah, <laughs> it is just, it is the music is so good, it is so full of good one-liners, mm-hmm. and fucking Martin Landau. I'm so glad he won the Oscar. I didn't even remember that that had happened. Yes, because he is brilliant. Mm-hmm. He is so motherfucking good. He breaks your heart. He's so funny. Mm-hmm. He's just all of the things. You just feel everything for poor Bella Lugosi.
1: I know, like what an amazing uh, performance and just the way they wrote the character of Bella Lugosi in this, like you really feel for like, because up to that point, you know, the end of his career had pretty much become a joke in Hollywood that he was this like famous actor that fell onto hard times and just made a bunch of crap at the end of his career. But, you know, people lose sight of the actual person behind it all, so.
2: And it's so fascinating that, all this comparison to to Karloff in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And like he says at like, one point, he's like, Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit! <laughs> but then the ultimate like when they're doing all like the so-and-so, the whatever, the epilogue mm-hmm. um, screens, titles, and and it says that like Bela Lugosi is like much more well regarded than Boris Karloff is any longer. And mm-hmm. I think that that's just, it's just it hurts your heart a little because you're like oh if only we would have just not been so concerned about it yeah but of exactly. course you were
1: but in uh in real life too that's one of the d- discrepancies people say is that uh, uh, Karloff and Lugosi were friendly uh, oh, really? in reality like not they weren't like friends but they worked together a number of times and people are like I don't
2: know of any animosity between them so that was done for flavor in the in the script I think did Bela Lugosi turn down Frankenstein, like he says in the movie? He did. That is a fact. Okay. And he always huh. regretted it afterwards, because he
1: realized that that probably could have been a big star-making role for him, even bigger than, you know, had he done Dracula and then Frankenstein back-to-back, it would have been huge for him
2: i saw a letterbox review that said be yourself even if being yourself means being a total failure yeah (laughs) and that's really what this movie is like Mm -hmm. like he ed wood is so like determined to to make these movies and he's not even like necessarily out for success it doesn't feel like he's more Mm -hmm. just about making what he wants to make
1: yeah, as he says, he's like, I just want to tell the stories that interest me, but I I can't seem to, you know, get the means to do it. And it's like, yeah, I feel that, man. That's like, he feels like a real creator, like at least the character they present in this movie, like a real artist.
2: But he also comes with the territory of the people wanting to give you money who want to change it to what they want it to be. Yes. Which, of course, is, you know, the one of the great, challenges of so many creative types it's like if you want Mm -hmm. to do it to make money or get money like so many times you have to bend your dreams Mm -hmm. to suit those that have what you need
1: as soon as you have patrons or sponsors they're gonna have input so oh
2: god it's that's the and there's surely people in the world that don't have to deal with that as much like they mm-hmm. have what they need and they can do what they want and they find success. But I think that's probably, that is a rarity.
1: I think that is the rarity. I think it generally what Ed suffered through in this movie is normally what most creators, especially working in Hollywood have to go through.
2: And I loved Sarah Jessica Parker. I mean, I almost always loved Sarah Jessica Parker. I love mm-hmm. her. I just thought she was so good. And, and at first I didn't like Lisa Marie as Vampira. Vamp- Vampira. I'm saying that. Vampira. Right. Yep. Yep. At Vampira. first I was like, I don't think she's right for it, but she really grew on me. And just her as a character and the involvement, how because I was wondering how she got wrapped up in it. And it's just, it's that is so so fascinating how she got wrapped up in it and really didn't want to be there. Didn't mm-hmm. want like her own personal name brought in. That's why they like just use her as her character. And just that that cracked me the fuck up.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, it's and it's just also Hollywood, <laughs> also Hollywood, also Hollywood. Um, I love uh, George George the Animal Steel plays Tor Johnson in this. He was a pro wrestler playing. Oh, so a, perfect! Another pro wrestler, and I was reading online that like he was perfect for the role because George Steele, early in his wrestling career, would get confused for Tor Johnson all the time, who really? predated him as a wrestler. So they. Had enough resemblance to each other that uh it was a no-brainer to have him play Tor
2: Johnson in the movie. Now, do you know of the movie Myra Breckenridge? Uh yes. Because it's sort of like I think the unofficial Christine Jorgensen movie.
0: But yeah, okay. I realized,
2: and I didn't look it up, so I'm doing it right now, that um Bill Murray plays Bunny mm-hmm. Breckinridge. So I think that that must be taken into consideration for Myra Breckinridge, which is a, a movie.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. No, I read somewhere that, uh, Bunny Breckinridge, the real person was an inspiration for Myra Breckinridge, the story. Okay.
2: Yeah. Cause yep. I've seen that movie a million years ago with my husband, because I think Raquel Welch, I want to say is in the movie. Um, and I always, mm-hmm. we still to this day quote, because she says a steady stream of sturdy studs at one point. And that stands out to me 20 years later after watching it. so, But yeah, it was definitely a movie about someone who goes through a sex change. And I would like to rewatch it because I'm sure it's probably pretty bad and mm-hmm. probably doesn't age particularly well. But so but yeah, Myra Breckenridge. But I thought Bill Murray's fine. I don't know why. I don't particularly, I'm not drawn to him. I think he's fine in some movies, but there's something about him that I don't love. Mm. But I love yeah. like Lost in Translation. Like I love yeah. Lost in Translation. So, like, he doesn't affect me in a negative way there. But watching him here, I mm-hmm. just was like, I mean, and he does a. a fine performance but there's just something about him sometimes that i just i'm like i don't think i like bill murray oh Oh, is that weird i didn't think that until this movie but i I enjoy him
1: enough but this is one of those roles too where i'm like kudos to bill murray for giving such a measured performance in this instead of uh you know
0: because he can often
1: go over the top i mean he's (laughs) known for going over the top and but he knows when to restrain it for uh, when it'll serve, you know, the story and certain characters. Uh, and I was looking it up. Uh, Bunny Breckenridge gave permission to author Gore Vidal to write uh, what Breckenridge thought would be a biography. And then Gore Vidal wrote the book My Myra Breckenridge. Okay. And did a fictionalized version like of uh, Bunny Breckenridge. Because Bunny never did get a sex change. That's, you know, as... essentially what the the story that uh bill murray playing bunny gives in the movie is true um apparently bunny had explored uh explored that but it didn't work out
2: and i think you mentioned this when you gave it to me but that lots of people think this is tim burton's like best movie and i would say Mm -hmm. of the movies i've seen of his i would agree
0: yeah i just think it
2: has such a nice i think it weighs itself out so good between being kind of quirky and Mm -hmm. also just like giving really fine performances and really measured performances to the quirkiness like it I just feel sometimes he goes a little too much one way or the other well usually too much quirky Mm -hmm. which is his charm and why people love certain things yes
1: that's why people love a lot of his work but I like the the balance here yeah and I feel like this one stands out because Tim Burton, a lot of his, uh, the rest of his body of work, really, they're kids' movies or family movies, you know, like the whole family can go see them. Mm-hmm. It's the handful of times he does, like, I guess what we could call like adult movies, like this one. Like, this is not for necessarily the kids. It's funny that I said, setting this up, I saw this as a kid um and probably like mm-hmm. and as i recall didn't understand half of what was going on anyway but um but no this is like an adult tim burton movie and i find that those are like his best work i think is when he gets to do something that's not necessarily like a fantasy that's got to appeal to like all the quad you know hit all four quadrants as they say with marketing like when he gets to just do a uh, a personal like grown-up story like this i feel like that's when he's
2: firing on all cylinders Wait, did you read the description and everything? Am I just like, did I just bulldoze over it? Did you read it? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Wow, I am (laughs) hungry. Yeah, you are. I did read it. It was very short. It is very short, but okay. And I also got to say Patricia Arquette I thought was very good. Mm -hmm. She's such a I know I keep now using this word, but she was such a um, a nice parallel i was gonna say a balance but i'll say a nice parallel to sarah jessica parker like they're very similar types and as far as like being these blonde sort of i don't know if you call them middle aged at this point they're probably in their 30s but mm-hmm. actresses but sarah jessica parker's a little more um brassy and yeah. a little louder and patricia arquette just has sort of a a more low tone to her and her yeah. performance and a much more just sort of patient type and i just liked how they balanced each other out
1: yeah and uh that was something i was reading about the movie i thought was interesting was uh it, and it's it's the way the script is written it's the way they wrote the character not so much how um uh, and I, I what is her name the the real woman that uh, sarah jessica parker was playing
2: dolores fuller
1: thank you Dolores Fuller the real Dolores Fuller uh she was a fan of the movie except for how she was portrayed of course but uh because she said you know uh the stuff they left out was that she was a working actress uh at that time and was supporting herself and ed because she was on like tv soap operas and stuff like that regularly um and uh she she said their relationship was not Rocky, like the way the movie portrayed it. She said they were very much in love with each other. Uh, and it wasn't uh, necessarily how the movie showed it to be, but you know, you got to put some drama in somewhere.
2: I need to see Bride of the Monster because I have to see how her performance really is just based on that scene alone where they're like the two women are like coming out passing each other in like a hallway or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because I really liked that gal too from, um, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drusilla, Juliet Landau. I thought she was so good. And I was like, who the hell is that? And I was like, oh, she's Drusilla. Mm -hmm, She mm -hmm. doesn't really work that much or rather, you know, doesn't doesn't do much that I remember. And I have seen Bride of the Monster. Uh, I don't think it's as
1: from what I remember, I don't think it's as fun as Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, But the scene where Tor walks into the set it makes the whole thing shake that is in the movie so when you watch the real one that's in there so
2: that's so crazy just all of that like nope we're good we can keep moving like did he think that because they say like but it wasn't great and he's like but it was real or whatever yeah
1: yeah, when he's like in real life somebody of tour size would have all kinds of problems Have like that all the time so i think that's yeah yeah and uh overall too like this movie is really like optimistic uh, yes. a, like a phrase I keep saying, seeing is life-affirming when people talk about it. Um, and I know that was something I read. I read a blurb from Tim Burton where he said the real basis for like the voice of this movie was from Ed Wood's personal like letters and like writings, his journals, which uh, uh, Tim Burton said as he read them, he realized were very. Very positive and like overly optimistic and he never let on to any like bad stuff that was going on like the real Ed Wood struggled with like alcoholism through all of his life and money problems and things like that but he never let on to those uh you know sorts of things keeping him down or being an issue like in the way he talked to the people around him and wrote letters to his friends and stuff he was always endlessly optimistic about everything so that was what tim burton thought served the movie best was to just do it from ed's point of view uh and uh just lean into
2: the 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 fun of the whole thing the love of movies yeah because when it first started i was like "Ah, oh, two hours and six minutes and then i like when it ended i was like oh i want more i wish i would have gone more in depth out like into the later stuff but mm-hmm. going off of what you're saying it makes sense that as opposed to getting to where it gets kind of depressing and that yeah. his life goes away from like maybe his dreams and more to what he needed to do to try to survive that yep. it's it's good the way it wraps up because it does have a hopeful feel to it. It is sort of like a, Hey, you do you and figure out ways to make that happen and mm-hmm. try to find happiness and try to surround yourself with the people that support you for the way that you are and the person that you are.
1: Yes. Which that's one thing I love about this movie is just the the little cadre of unusual people he brings together. Uh, I, I feel like they all just, it's got this nice big family feel to it, and you can't help but root for all the characters. Oh, yeah.
2: So, so sweet. And I kept being like, Where's Vincent Dion? Dion, Dion how do I say his last name? Dinofrio. Dinofrio. Thank you. I was like, yes. I can't say it. I, kept, I was like, Where the fuck is he? And then he shows up for one brief little scene, but he's so good.
1: And it, it's, it, but it's not his voice.
2: I, okay. That makes so much sense, because I was like, why does his voice sound so low?
1: Yeah, it's not. D'Onofrio it was the physical presence. The voice actor, Phil LaMarche, did the voice. Uh, and Weird, Phil La, why? Phil LaMarche is the voice of the brain from Animaniacs, Pinky on the Brain. Okay. Uh, and all of that, like, Phil LaMarche is renowned for his uh, Orson Welles impression, oh. so that's why they had his voice. Oh my god, because
2: I was like, whoa,
0: hi or, daddy. I'm sorry, not Phil,
1: Maurice LaMarche, that's his name. Maurice Okay, Lamarche.
0: if
2: you say so. Yeah. That is so fascinating, and I had nia idea.
1: And as far as anyone knows, I had never met Orson Welles. Okay. Though he, wa- though he was a big fan of Orson Welles, it's not known that he ever actually met
2: Orson Welles. Huh, Okay. But yeah, just such a sweet little film. Like, way sweeter. I did not... I thought he was going to be... I thought Ed Wood was going to be kind of like a douchebag. Yeah, I thought, no. I mean, Johnny Depp's character... I haven't even talked about Johnny Depp. I think he does a really nice job. He really just makes you just... I mean, this sounds so, like, typical, but makes you, like, feel for him. You're just like, yeah. oh my god, what a guy.
1: He He really plays it with that, like kind of ah shucks like nice guy uh you know you just want to help him out and you want to see him succeed because he plays it as such a nice person because he never says anything bad about like anybody else in the movie like he just you know plays the character as a seemingly seemingly genuinely
2: sweet person so yeah it's too bad that it wasn't nominated for a best picture yeah i'm kind
1: of surprised by that like i know and that was the year too if i remember correctly that's the year martin uh landau beat uh sam jackson for uh, best supporting actor because samuel L. jackson was up for pulp fiction that year
2: and also kind of crazy that it won for best makeup seeing as how it's a black and white film
1: yeah but not like you can't do but but what? that t- that ties into the Landau specifically. The makeup was transforming him into Bella Lagos. Like that, okay. that was considered like a big deal how they did that.
2: So, but yeah, I'm so glad they filmed it in black and white. Yes, because sometimes that just, it feels just masturbatory. Yeah, but this it feels it's authentic. Right. It's yeah,
1: it feels like right. There's like to do no it in other black way. Yeah, absolutely. You have to do it in black and white.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so so good. I'm so glad you had me watch it
1: yeah in the beginning again that beginning sequence with all the stop animation and stuff and all of those are like little nods to ed woods like monster movies like in that sequence because you got the octopus tentacle from bride of the monster and the ufos from plan nine and yeah
2: yeah it's just awesome yeah that whole thing with the octopus and martin landau it's like funny (laughs) but also just makes me so sad
1: yeah, it's funny. And then if you've ever worked on anything with no budget, you really feel for them in that moment. Cause I've done that before too with friends where you're got no money and you're shooting this miserable thing in the middle of the night and everybody is questioning everything. So
2: And just that friendship between edward and and um Bella. I wanted to say Boris Karloff, yeah, and, um, Bella Lug- and, and Bela Lugosi It's just, it's so sweet. Like it, cause like, you know, you can tell that Edward really has an affinity for him mm-hmm. and it's like this unlikely friendship and it may not have worked at Bela Lugosi had been more successful at the time,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but that he really was as much as sometimes it was like, Jesus, fuck, what do you have? What are you having me do? Mm-hmm. Like, uh. But like he may have needed the little bit of money it was going to give him, and he may have hoped that there was going to be something more. But I love when he got out of the hospital, and he's like, "Let's go make another movie." Yeah, was yeah, like oh god. And it's like
1: I feel like that's a really like that's that's the core to this movie, and in real life too. Like Bella Lugosi's son maintained that like he thought, like he didn't think highly of Ed Wood, and thought that Ed mm. was just using his father, uh, you know, to try and get his name out there, but most people have been like, no, they, they they had a genuine friendship. Sure. Ed thought it was like, Oh great. I know a movie star. I can put this guy in movies, but they definitely from what everyone contemporaneously says is like, they genuinely had a friendship uh, and had like met each other uh, at a time where they needed each other. It seems so.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. real, real sweet.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it yeah
2: yeah so if unless you got
1: anything else i don't Out of uh so out of let's do five uh rubber octopuses that are missing the motor okay how many
2: how many do you give it i'm going to give it four and a half
1: oh my god me too <laughs> exact same exact same
2: <laughs> oh my god you are so funny well another
0: scare of approval
2: scare of approval <laughs> get out of my head i know what the
1: hell guys but <laughs> you know there you go after these couple of episodes i say check that out go watch Plan nine and then ed wood in some configuration that should be a fun double feature if you've not seen them yeah fuck you know? yeah yeah check out bride of the monster maybe while you're at it uh,
2: please do but this yeah. makes me think we need to have a double feature with gods of monsters and shadow of the vampire oh my god yeah that would be awesome like in the same episode i think we just need to because you've seen both of them but i haven't seen either of them but yeah, you haven't seen either no, and i've
1: seen both of them and i've not seen uh either of them in years so that would be fun because yeah uh, yeah it's been a minute so and i'm pretty rusty on gods and monsters i don't remember it super well anymore it's been long enough so yeah i really
2: yeah i really be, need to see it that'd be cool yeah 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 That's all right well ticket. write to us tell us what you think of these films and what you want us to write watch <laughs> whatever no, right, whatever what
1: all do you want right. us to do
2: yeah tell us tell us and write to us scaring and sharing at gmail.com or follow us on insta scaring and sharing oh one word oh, one word smash it all together smash, smash it. it and jeremy thanks i'm excited to see you again Soon. Very soon. Yes. And remember, we all go a little mad sometimes. And future events such as these will affect you in the future. <laughs> and keep watching and talking about scary movies because. Scaring is sharing. Bye. Scary.